Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find speaker f- several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kim. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Really grateful to um, have the opportunity to share my experience, strength, and hope with all of you. Grateful to be at this beautiful meeting. I've been here before, and um, there's just so much recovery and love and support in this room. So I'm happy to be here. I, I spoke here once before, and when I got here, I found out that it was recorded for a podcast, and I swear to God, I panicked. I'm like, oh my God, on tape? But um, tonight, I, I feel really peaceful, and I feel really happy to be here, and I'm grateful to my friend, Deanna, for asking me to come speak at this meeting. And um, I'm doing the OA birthday party show with Deanna, so um, we're having a lot of fun doing that together. And I'm also grateful to my my sponsor, Susan G., who introduced me to this meeting and um, is also the birthday party chair. So if you don't have your birthday party tickets yet, you can get them online. And there are also a lot of opportunities to be of service um, at the birthday party in in January. So I hope I see you all there. Um, You know, I was thinking about it on the way over here. Like, I would love to stand here and say I've never had another compulsive food thought since I came to program or I'm spiritual and balanced all the time. And it was funny because on the way over here, I was thinking, do I want to wear this dress? Do I look okay in this dress? What do I look like? You know, I still have, a, I don't have the body obsession that I had when I got here. Don't get me wrong. But I still have um, um, thoughts about what I look like sometimes, and especially in front of people. And... Um, and I've also heard people share from the podium that, you know, they were struck abstinent and have never overeaten at all and never had compulsive food thoughts or behaviors. And that hasn't been my experience either. Um, you know, last night we had sushi and that, those last two pieces, I'm like, you know what? I really don't want them or need them. I've had enough, but I ate them anyway. And you know what? That's the stuff I used to freak out about and beat myself up about. And I'm a compulsive overeater and I ate two extra bites of sushi and... Hell's not going to freeze over. I'm not going to weigh 310 in the morning. Like, it's, it's just got to be okay sometimes. And um, the good news is, is I haven't hidden the dark and eaten the whole pan of brownies. I haven't eaten until I made myself physically throw up in the back of my throat. You know, I, I get judgy about my recovery sometimes, and I have to remember where I came from because when I got here, Food was my master. It owned me. And, and I was terrified to give it up because it was, it was my comfort and my joy and my coping mechanism. And I didn't know how to live without it either. So I'm so grateful for this program that I got here. I'm grateful for this program that I found out that I have a disease. You know, I always thought I was just weak or I should be able to figure it out. I should be able to stay on this diet. I should be able to go to the gym every day. I should just be able to lock it down and do it. And there's no locking down and doing it when you have a disease. I am bodily and mentally different from other people. Other people can go to Sprinkles and have one. That is not my experience. Once the craving and the obsession kick in, you know, I'm off to the races and I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm, I'm grateful to just know that I'm sick and not bad, that I have a disease, I'm not weak. And that there's a solution right here in the room if I'm willing to work the steps and pick up the tools that you also freely offered me when I got here. 
And you know, it took me a long, long time to get here. Um, my mom says I was a compulsive overeater as, a, as an infant. Like she had to physically stop feeding me formula for me to stop eating. And the first time I remember eating until I threw up, I was probably three years old. I found, you know, some fun-sized candy bars at grandma's house and ate them until I made myself. Normal three-year-olds don't eat until they vomit, you know what I mean? Like that is totally my disease um, long before I ever knew that it was a disease. And I look back at my childhood and um, food was always the thing. It's like my best friend all, all, all the time I grew up, I don't even think we got along that well, but her, her family owned the Dairy Queen. So I hung out with Debbie all the time because her parents owned Dairy Queen. You know, other people have childhood memories, and, um, and mine are all based on food, especially sugar. It's like I remember, you know, chasing the ice cream truck up the street. It didn't matter if it was dark outside and I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, we went to the skating rink and drank, you know, suicides with 20 different kinds of soda in it and ate Twizzlers and at the... At the concession stand at the pool, I, I had picked up, all right, I only have this much money. Like, which one am I going to, like, everything was a negotiation about food. Like, I have $3. I'm riding my bike to 7-Eleven and Penny Candy. And, like, I had no idea how obsessed and abnormal my relationship with food was from a very early age. And, and I don't think, it's nobody's fault. I mean, I think a lot of us grew up with our parents saying, well, clean your plate, and, you know, kids in China are going hungry. Aren't you going to eat that? And, um, but I, I didn't have an off button. Like, normal people eat, and then when they start to feel satiated, it's like, oh, I think I've had enough. I'm going to stop. But, but I don't have an off button. There's no off switch with me with eating. Once I start eating, I can't stop. And especially, you know, my alcoholic foods. And just, I, I'm always curious when people speak, like, what's your abstinence and what's your food plan? So I like to put it out there. My, my abstinence today is no recreational sugar. Like, any of that stuff, sweets, like, it's crack to me. I would snort pixie sticks if I could get them up my nose. Like, I cannot have any of that stuff. And none, none of the fake stuff either. Like, I don't want sugar-free, fat-free tofu-based frozen yogurt. I want Ben and Jerry's, you know what I mean? So I, I don't do the fake stuff either. So no sweets and no chips and crackers. Like anything that comes in a bag or a box that's salty and crunchy and leaves dust on my fingers. I can't tell you how many how many bags and boxes of that stuff I ate, like, like in a blackout. Like did you ever reach in the bottom and be like, what do you mean they're all gone? Like, I don't remember even eating them all. How could, the whole, how could it all be gone? It's gone. I didn't even enjoy the last one because they're gone. Like, like normal people don't do that. So those are all my abstinence. Um, my, my food plan is, is three meals a day, healthy meals a day now, and two optional snacks. And I, I always have at least one snack a day because I'm still terrified of getting hungry. Like, I need a little more God in my life because I still get scared when I get like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And I don't know where that came from. That's definitely part of my disease because I never was hungry. Like, I have kids or I have friends that grew up as children in war-torn countries and fled to America that were hungry, starving as children. And it makes sense to me that they're afraid of being hungry. With me, it, it's just a reflex reaction that I have a sense of humor about and, and invite God to help me with. But um, so that's, that's my food plan. And I don't do it perfectly, but the thing that I haven't ever done since November 13th of 2010 is break my abstinence. I don't eat those foods no matter what. 
And to me, there's no slip for me. Like, if I eat a piece of cake, I broke my abstinence. Like, that. period. That's an alcoholic food, and I have an alcoholic mind. And, um, and I am an addict. Like, I didn't get that food was addiction. Like, food was, like, alcohol, yeah, I need help. Drugs, I need help. Like, smoking, that was hard. But I didn't consider food a drug, and it's been the biggest drug in my life, my entire life. And it's what I needed the help with the most and waited the longest to... Um, to get help for. So, you know, I ate compulsively my whole life. I was a chubby little kid. And then as I got older, I still, I, I had a fat head. I don't know about you. I look back at pictures of me when I was in high school and I was, you know, I was so fat and hideous and no wonder I don't have a boyfriend and everybody hates me. And I look at pictures and there was nothing wrong with me. I mean, I was probably like a size eight, like a normal sized girl with some curves. And I, I thought that there was something wrong with me. And, um, but, but I didn't stay that size for long. Um, food was always an issue, but in college is when it really, really took off. You've heard of the freshman 15? Have you heard of the senior 50? Because I gained both. And, um, you know, and being, being away from home and then being around food that I was – you know, unlimited. Like it was all starch and carbs, and I was on a very strict beer and Domino's pizza and ramen ramen noodle diet in college, and um, and and had had the body to prove it. And um, I also like to share my weight loss because this is a spiritual program of recovery. But one of the benefits of doing that program is physical recovery. And um, I'm not sure what my top weight was. I think probably around 210. I was I was in a size 18, 20 dress. Um, one of the happiest days of my life was cutting up my Lane, Lane Bryant card, you know, after I'd been here for a while. And um, I, I'm down probably 75 pounds from my, from my top weight. I've been down a little lower than that, and that's the other end of the disease for me. Like, I got skinny for a minute, and I fucking loved it. I mean, I was just like, you know, and, um, but to get to that weight and maintain that weight, I was working out every day and really, I had, I had turned my, my program of recovery into a diet. And for me, I have to wear abstinence and recovery in this program, like a loose garment. It has to be healthy. It has to make me feel good. It has to be nurturing and not punitive because as soon as I make this a diet, I'm just back to where I came from. Like, I've been at Goal Weight and Weight Watchers five times. Like, it's a beautiful program for people who just need to learn healthful eating. I knew healthful eating, but then I'd get the skinny cow ice cream sandwiches, and, you know, one was three points, and so five was 15 points, and then that was my points for the day, so then I had to exercise for four hours to get 12 um, activities points to, you know, be able to eat more real food. And, like, anything about numbers today just doesn't work for me. My recovery can't be about the numbers on the scale. It can't be about the size of my clothing. It, it just can't be about the numbers. I need, I need those things. It's like taking inventory. It's information. Those are the facts, ma'am. Use those to move forward. Like, I can't make them, I can't base my self-worth on numbers. And, um, and I learned that in this program. So I yo-yo dieted my whole life, you know, in college, I think I was probably like 175, 180 when I graduated. And then, you know, I, I got into bodybuilding and I took all the weight off and got ripped for 10 minutes. I literally took the after pictures from a body transformation competition. 
you know, muscle cramps from dehydration, like insanity. And then literally 10 minutes later, I had all my binge foods, you know, to reward myself for the hard work. And I gained like 18 pounds in two weeks. Like normal people don't gain and lose weight. Like normal people, weight fluctuates. Like even now, my weight can fluctuate down five pounds, up five pounds. That's normal. Up 75, 80 pounds, <laughs> down 75, 80 pounds, not so much. And I did that like five or six times. You know, people would see me and... And they would either be like, oh, my God, you look amazing. Or they'd just be like, oh, my God. You know, because I gained 65 pounds in four months since the last time they saw me. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. Why can't I just stick to the diet? Why can't I just get control of my food? But I had no idea that I was incapable of dealing with life on life's terms. I couldn't handle my life. That's why I needed the food. I needed the food. I didn't know how to let myself feel emotions. Like, everybody that took a chip. Thank you for your shares because it just reminds me so much of where I came from. Um, like I didn't, I never even heard the term exercise bulimia until I got to program, and I'm like, oh, if you eat a whole pizza and then go to the gym for four hours, that's exercise bulimia, huh? That's interesting. Like I, and I didn't realize that I had restrictive tendencies, like to binge and then starve myself the rest of the day to make up for it. Like that's. That's not normal behavior. That's restricted behavior. And so I found out when I got here I was sicker than I even realized. You know, I had a friend that um, was, was bulimic, and I just remember thinking, oh, I feel so bad for her. She makes herself throw up, and she, she's really sick. And I was sitting there, you know, eating half a cheesecake. Like, I had no idea that compulsive overeating is the opposite end of the same disorder and that it all is part of my makeup. And I really believe that if I don't stay vigilant about my recovery, all of those options are still out there waiting for me because this is a progressive and fatal disease. I don't know about you, but when I got here six years ago, my disease was a totally different place than where it had started. I mean, I literally could not stop eating. I could not stop eating sugar. I could not stop binging. And the fact that I'm standing here today talking to you, instead of making my third trip to CVS for 75% off Halloween candy is a miracle. Like that, I just waited for the holidays, baby. Like, ooh, Valentine's Day, Christmas, Halloween, Easter. Like I was, I was at CVS stocking up. And, um, and I don't have to do that today. And to be relieved of the mental obsession of compulsive overeating and be standing here at a normal, healthy body weight, a relatively well-adjusted, happy person, is a miracle. Like I, I didn't even know... I didn't know I hated my own guts until I stopped eating. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know there was a wounded little girl inside of me that was afraid she wasn't enough. She wasn't pretty enough or smart enough or talented enough or sexy enough or rich enough or, or whatever enough. And the food filled that, that void. That's the only way I knew how to fill it. Well, that's not true. I knew how to fill it with other things, too. Drugs and alcohol and men and spree spending and chain smoking. And so if you're new and you get abstinent from the food and find yourself wildly shopping online or chasing bad boys down the street, like, don't be surprised because it, sometimes it's a shell game. But, um, but food was my primary addiction and my lifelong addiction, and I'm grateful to be here. And um, I got here with 10 years in the other program, and to admit that I was a brand newcomer again and that I didn't know shit and needed your help was the most humbling experience of my life. Like, I had been working the steps, I knew the steps worked, but I was still binge eating and totally out of control, 
totally in self-will and um, and really, really unhappy to my core in a way that I didn't even comprehend until I didn't feel that way anymore. I felt that way my whole life. Just like that dull ache and that impending doom and that sadness when I'm in the food. And um, when I got here, I was, I was, you see, I was on medication for acid reflux disease, two antidepressants. Um, I was having some female problems because of the pressure in my lower abdominal region. Like all of these medical problems, high blood pressure, and um, all of these medical problems are directly attributable to my obesity. And I don't have those medical problems today with the exception of my blood pressure has been going up lately, and I have a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. And part of recovery for me is self-care. And um, there, there's heredity of high blood pressure in my family. Um, and to younger girls, I'm, I'm just on the verge of perimenopause, so you've got that to look forward to. I don't know if that might be it. But the point is, is I have to be willing to take care of myself today. I have to be willing to take direction I don't want to. I don't want to be on high blood pressure medication. But um, if if the alternative is to stress my heart, you know, and die younger, I, I think I'll probably do what my doctor tells me to. But um, I am so grateful for Overeaters Anonymous. I'm grateful for all of the women who've sponsored me over the years, and they were all exactly who I needed at the time. Like getting my butt in the room was the hardest part. Like I was spiritually dead. I was physically sick, and I just. It wasn't working anymore. If it was still working, I'd still be out there doing it. But, um, you know, my first sponsor was just a kind, love, loving, lovely woman who didn't really have any expectations of me, which worked out really well for me because I didn't want to do the work in the beginning. But she was there for me and there for me to reach out to. And then then I started working with someone that said, you know, if if you're going to put down the fork, you've got to become a different person to deal with your life. And the only way to do that is through the steps. And I already knew the steps worked, so I started doing the step work in this program. And, um, you know, step step one happened when I walked in the door. That was a no-brainer. And um, two and three, I already believed in a higher power, and I'd really surrendered most everything in my life except food to my higher power. And... Um, and and I finally was willing to, to take a look at food. I thought God was too busy taking care of famine and, and children and, you know, big, big earth emergencies. I didn't think he had time to mess with my food. I thought I should be able to do that on my own, and I can't. I need God's help to do that. I need your help to do that. And I need to do the work, in you know, the 12-step work to get out of my own way to be able to do that. Um, you know, my inventory in this program is very different from my other program because I stopped wreaking havoc on the world and harming other people in my other program. And I stopped abusing myself in this program. Um, I had no idea how much self-hatred I had. I had no idea that I physically abused myself, that I emotionally abused myself. I used to walk around like, you fat bitch, like smacking myself in the forehead. Like, I, I would never do that to another human being. And today, I wouldn't do that to me either. And that's a direct result of do the, doing the inventory work that I needed to do. And realizing I was a people pleaser with low self-esteem and learning to have some boundaries and, um, and treat myself with the same kindness, love, and respect that I had learned to treat you with. And um, life's a lot better like that. Character defects, I still have plenty of them. Um, 
you know, low self-esteem is one of them I still work on, which no one would know from looking at me on the outside, I think. Like, people are like, you seem so confident and happy, and, and you know what? I am. But there's still that scared little girl in there that I have to take care of. And um, judgment and self-righteousness. Um, I remember being in a meeting, and um, someone was leading, and I was like, wow, she's still, she's huge. Like, why is she leading this meeting? This is when I was new. And, and she weighed... 220 and she was down from 400 pounds like after she said it I'm like I'm, I'm an asshole like anytime I'm comparing the way I feel inside to the way you look outside like oh she looks all happy it must be nice to have a Maserati like none of that even matters this is an inside job like I have to do the work in this program to get happy on the inside and um, you know making amends to other people I didn't realize how many people I'd harmed with my compulsive overeating. I was emotionally shut down. Like my ex-fiance, I gained 60 pounds and just checked out. Like, and he's a good friend today, and I've had to make amends for the emotional pain that I caused him. And I wasn't available at work. I wasn't available to my friends. I was holed up at home with half a Ralph's bakery on my bed. I, I was not available to people that mattered to me, so I've gotten to make amends to all those people. And, um, you know, I've got to continue working this program. 10, 11, and 12 have to be a continuous part of my life. Um, I have to, you know, know when I'm wrong and promptly, promptly admit it and make amends where I need to. Um, I need to keep God in the mix all day. Like, I don't know about you. Some days I'm really good with prayer and meditation, and other days I'm too busy. Like, I'm really busy. i got to get out the door. And then I'm the hamster on the wheel, and... Um, and I forget to bring God. I forget to take God to work with me. Like I ask God to help me with all my other life problems and relationships and things. And then I'm like, work, i got to go get this done. And, um, and I don't have to just go get it done. I can take God to work with me too. And I think the most amazing part of this program is, is getting to work with other compulsive overeating, uh, compulsive overeaters. I have, I have um, six people I'm working the steps with right now, all, all relatively new to program. And I have call times in the morning, so while I'm driving to work, instead of being stressed out in traffic, I, I have 15-minute calls with all my sponsees and get to hear their experience, strength, and hope, get to hear how their lives are changing, get to hear how they're already working the principles of this program, you know, in their lives. And, um, you know, one of my sponsees I, I reached out to, she came up in my Facebook friends, you know, or people you might know feed, and so I reached out because I hadn't heard from her in a while, and, and she had finally succumbed to the Halloween candy, and I just said, come back. The love, the support, the recovery is right. We can do this together. Like, all of us can stay abstinent and recover together. I can't do it by myself. I tried for 43 years out there to figure it out and do it by myself, and I can't. I need you. <laughs> And we all have each other, and I'm so grateful for that. And and giving this gift away to to another compulsive overeater, seeing their lives get big and full and happy, seeing us get out of our way and achieve dreams and goals and things we didn't think we were worthy of when we were in the food. Um, you know, I've gotten back on stage in recovery. I didn't sing for years because, you know, I'm going to get up there fat and let you look at me and make fun of me. Like, you know, it, ridiculous I've learned in recovery that all those times I thought other people were thinking about me and what I look like, they were thinking about themselves just like I was. Like, no one, no one was even worried about it. But um, everything good in my life is a direct result of, of working the steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, you know, today, my, my days go better 
if I commit my food in the morning and plan my food. I don't know about you, but I've got to have healthy food in my house. Like, I, I get a little panicked if there's not good, good food in my house. And, um, and for the first five years of my recovery, un, unhealthy food never lived in my house ever. And then my boyfriend moved in. And um, you know what? It took, me, it took me almost five years to not want to kick people in the face for eating a piece of cake in front of me. <laughs> and now it's, it's his food, not my food. And, like, it doesn't even bother me at all. Like, it, I don't even think about it. And, um, and he's in recovery in the other program, and he'll say, like, oh, I, you know, I ate too much. I shouldn't have eaten that. I should have stopped eating. I feel like shit. And I'll say, I, I can relate. And he's like, stop relating to me. I, I'm not ready for your program for five more years. And uh, you know what? His journey with food is, is his journey, and it has nothing to do with me. I'm responsible for what I put in my body and my mouth. I hope he doesn't have to gain another 80 pounds like I did before he's willing. But it's none of my business. Um, most people in my life, are in recovery um, in some form or another, and a lot of people really close to me in my life are in this program. And it's so nice to feel safe and have people get people get it. Like, like, oh my God, my food's taking too long. And they're like, Kim, baby, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, like people get it. People, people get that I need a friend to go with me to a wedding reception because there's going to be an 800-pound cake there. You know, pe- people get that I, I need to eat certain things or I need to eat at certain times and don't make a big deal out of it. And, um, and I need that support. I, all the food saboteurs are gone out of my life. I had those people early in my recovery that'd be like, oh, I just going to have a little bite, you know? No, I, I'm not going to have a little bite and I'm, I'm going to shove you on the floor and run out of the room if you try to make me. So I'm, I'm happy to have so many people in recovery in my life. Um, I can't believe I've been at a healthy, normal body weight for five years. The yo-yo dieter from hell, up and down and up and down, size 4 to 20 in my closet for years. I have one size in my closet today. And all the insanity and self-hatred and obsession is, is gone most days. If I'm willing to pick up the tools that you all have so freely given me and do this work, most days the obsession is gone. I am so grateful for Overeaters Anonymous. I'm grateful the shame and the guilt is gone. Um, you know, about a year and a half ago, I, I had abdominal surgery and had all the loose skin pulled up, and I didn't want to tell you guys. You know, first I was ashamed from being fat, and then I was ashamed from losing the weight and having loose skin, and then I was ashamed from doing something about it. And I was like, I think it's time to let go of the shame. That's part of my story. It's part of my journey. And, um, and I've been restored physically to what I think God originally intended me to be, too. And um, if other people make different decisions, I respect that, too. I love that we get to all get honest and, and um, decide what our own abstinence is. Mine was clear as crystal when I got here. Like, there is no doubt. Are there things I might have to give up later that get a little too sexy? Oh, yeah, I gave up coffee because I couldn't live without my caffeine. Now I drink decaf, and I'm like, get away from my coffee mug, you know? <laughs> Maybe I'll have to take a look at that. Protein bars. Um, I... I eat the non-sugar ones, but every once in a while, it's a little too important for me to have it. Mm. What's the other one? There was one more. Decaf and protein bars. Anyway, someday, may I have to weigh and measure my food? Maybe. It, I haven't had to yet, but I'm, I'm willing to go to any lengths to stay abstinent. I'm 
willing to go to any lengths to be relieved of the obsession of food, and I'm willing to go to any lengths to be of service in this program so I get to keep giving this gift that was given to me. I love all of you. I'm here for you if you need me. And um, I think I have a few minutes left. I'd love to open it up for questions if anybody has any. Thank you for letting me share my story. concept of a higher power has, has morphed a lot through my recovery. Um, my childhood higher power was, you know, fire and brimstone, you're going to burn in hell, five-year-old for stealing that pack of gum. And so that's, that's what I showed up with that obviously didn't work for me. Um, for a while, it just had to be people doing something I was incapable of doing, like, you know, that group of drunks idea. Like, you all were more powerful than me because you were staying abstinent and I couldn't. And then um, once I could let the wall down and let all the love in, God is in all of you. I see God in all of you. I feel connected to God through you. And to me, God is all things good. God is beauty and nature and animals and love and joy and music and just that, that energy that connects us all and makes us all one. And, um, and that really works for me. And um, it really works with me in the 12 steps, that concept of God for me, too. And um, God's never turned his back on me. I've turned my back on God. And um, but he was there when I turned back around. I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Yes. You know what? I don't have a choice, really, to get up and show up. Um, during the week, my sponsees start calling me at 8.15 in the morning. I literally, like, I'll be like, I'm running late. I don't have time. I've got to. And then I get in the car and the phone rings, and it's just like a reset button. Like, I'm, I'm connected. And then I call my sponsor as well. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's just a working part of my mind now. Like, I can't remember. And on Saturday and Sunday, I go to 7.30 a.m. meetings. So I get out of bed on, on Saturday morning and immediately get connected, too. And I think I would say, if anyone's having a problem getting connected, morning meetings are the best way to, like, get connected to program, get connected to higher power. And and because um, if I start up here like crazy and run out the door, then I appear and wherever else the rest of the day. But if I start down here grounded and connected with all of you in the morning, it, it's a really good way to start the day. And I hope that answered your question. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Can you uh, talk more specifically when you're on your journey about your Step 11 practice? So Step 11 for me, I, I like went to a meditation teacher and wanted to learn how to do it right. And I made a big, got a mantra. And and for me, it's it's really simple. Like as, if I'm running around in self-will, I can't hear God's will. I'm like running around, like, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder what God, like, all I have to do is get quiet. Like, my meditation teacher, guru person said, if you're not doing 20 minutes twice a day, then it doesn't even do any good. And that's bullshit. That, that is not my experience. If I get quiet for even five minutes and let God in, just take a deep breath, blow it out. I mean, sometimes I'll light a candle and stare at the flame. 
sometimes I'll do a guided meditation. Sometimes I'll listen to some, some nice, you know, new aging music. But it, it, all that matters is me getting quiet, letting go of the chatter in my head, and so I can hear God's will. And I always used to think, oh, if I still have thoughts coming in, obviously I'm not very spiritual. And that's not true either. That's a nor- normal part of it. Like, oh, thank you for your opinion. You can go now. Just, like, let him go. And, um, and prayer, I can, I have to turn my will over multiple times in a day because I know God is in charge and I start there, but then I run out in the world and get busy and forget. Like at any point in the day when I start thinking my job is a matter of life and death or someone, you know, look, giving me that look hates me, like she probably has a stomach ache. You know what I mean? Like I used to like look at you and read your mind. Did you used to read people's minds? Um, and, and, I, and I don't don't have to do that today. I can just let all that go most of the time. Yes? You talked about some of the other stuff that like popped up. Um, do you have to work a program for like the money or the relationship stuff? You know, it's really funny you say that because I never would have gotten to Overeaters Anonymous if I hadn't worked the steps in AA for 10 years. Like I had to get rid of that first. But when I gave up sugar, my compulsive shopping went away. Like there was something about being high on sugar that I would be racing off holding credit cards at department stores. Like I don't think that's everyone's experience, but that's my experience that the that the um, the money and the, the sugar were really closely tied together. And um, with the other stuff, like once I got present in my life and wasn't checking out, like I... I have to love someone to have sex with them now. It, it really ruined my sex life. <laughs> the, the good news is, is it's really good and with someone I really love. And um, cigarettes went with the with the booze and the drugs. So, yeah, food was last. And and it looks like it, that's a wrap. Thank you all for letting me share. <laughs>